and thank you for listening to Pod on the Dog. I'm your host, Verity Hardcastle, and you can find me on Instagram at Verity Hardcastle. You might be out walking your dog, in the car, or pottering around at home. But whatever you're doing today, thank you so much for tuning in. Now, this podcast is proudly sponsored by Butternut Box, a brand I love for so many reasons. Butternut Box is a freshly cooked dog food delivery service that delivers it straight to your door and takes into consideration all of your dog's dietary needs. Butternut Box genuinely care about dogs and they believe that good enough for your dog simply isn't good enough because dogs deserve better. The meals are comprised of quality meat, vegetables, lentils, vitamins and minerals and don't contain any grain, wheat, gluten, corn, soya or sugar, all of which have been known to cause some intolerances in our dogs. If you'd like to try Butternut Box for your dog, you can get 50% off your first two boxes with the link buttonupbox.com forward slash Verity Hardcastle. So for today's episode, I'm joined by a groomer all the way from the States and she lives a world in full colour and I am so here for that. Not only is she a fantastic groomer, a wild ambassador, but her Instagram page is so beautiful. I'm here to find out how she does it all and a little bit more about this groomer. So a really big hello and thank you to Arissa Thomas. Hi, Verity. Hi. So I'm first so thing, happy to be here. Thank you. Thanks so much for joining me. Now, firstly, tell me, where am I speaking to you from, Arissa? I am speaking to you from sunny Los Angeles. It is 10 a.m. here and the sun is boiling down on me. I'm very jealous because um, with all the gas price issues that we're having, it's really quite stressful here in the UK because we're just embarking on our winter. The temperatures are changing and it's now 6 p.m. at night and I'm really feeling the cold. <laughs> oh, we have the the very expensive gas prices here as well. Um, we I pay about like $80 just to fill my car up every week. It's a little crazy, but I'm sure I'm sure it's the same over there, too. Yeah, we have the same. It's the same with fuel prices, um, heating our homes, everything, like even food, everything is going up for us. So, yeah. And I, I was like looking at flight tickets the other day because during the during December, I always we always like close the store for about like two weeks and we give everyone like, you know, a holiday break. And I was thinking, oh, like maybe I'll go to like UK for um for the winter it was it was really expensive to fly there I've never seen um plane tickets that expensive to fly to UK before it was like over a thousand dollars yeah it was so expensive so the gas prices are definitely affecting you know traveling costs as well now yeah I'm meant to be going I've got a few holidays planned for early next year we have some friends who are getting married in Italy and one of my best friends is getting married so she's having her um like hen party as we call it in the UK I don't know what you guys bachelorette party I think you call yeah, it hen parties I love that <laughs> <laughs> at first I was like hem like a skirt hem and then I'm, I'm thinking I'm like a chicken I don't know why <laughs> so we call it a hen party and we're doing it in Portugal and normally you might be able to pick up a flight for like 50 to 70 UK pounds yeah. And it's like 250. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, yeah. domestic flights here are insane. So I'm originally from Atlanta, Georgia. And I don't know, back in the day, you can you could fly home for like two, three hundred dollars. I was looking the other day, it was eight hundred dollars. I was like, what? To fly to Georgia? <laughs> absurd. I don't know whether they're trying to like recoup some costs from, you know, the pandemic. I don't know. Or whether it's the fuel, you know, because obviously, yeah, it's going to cost every, everyone more. Exactly. Ridiculous. And, well, same for grooming. Grooming costs are going up too. So all the groomers should be raising their prices. If gas can go up, if um, cost of living can go up, so can your grooms. Yeah. Why should we take the hit? We shouldn't. No. And also it's it's so funny because you don't go into a supermarket and look at the price of butter and think, oh, they didn't tell me that they were going to put the price up by, you know, two pounds Mm -hmm. on this butter. Or, Mm -hmm. you know, or you check out your whole shop and I've noticed that, you know, it might be like a 50 uh, UK pounds or $50 difference, but we don't, you know, we just take that for granted. But with, with grooming, we're always so worried, aren't we? Oh, absolutely. You hear it all the time. Like, you know, once a year we raise our prices as well, anywhere from 15 uh, to 20 percent. And customers are like, why are you raising your prices every year? Like this, this is going to affect my life. And I'm like, well, it's going to affect my life if we don't uh, up our grooms. (laughs) Yeah. And in most people's jobs, they would get a yearly, you know, wage increase, wouldn't they? If you were in a corporate sort of job. Absolutely. Well, at least here in California, the minimum wage goes up nearly every year. Mm. So um, if that so if wages are going up, that means we have to pay our staff more, meaning that's the reason why we have to, you know, um, increase our grooming costs. Same with um, grooming products like shampoos. The cost of those aren't going to go down. And, you know, we buy in bulk and gallons. Mm-hmm. So if it's if it's costing you anywhere from 40 to 70 dollars per gallon on shampoo that's going to reflect your grooming prices and electricity as well you know electricity water yeah licenses every year our taxes you know yeah (laughs) Yeah. all our governments are going to have to try and recoup all the money that we spent somehow I suppose I do understand it but uh and also we obviously have gone into a recession here in the UK so Oh, oh, it's just so joyful, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> now we'll get off the morbid talk. And um, <laughs> I need to know, Arissa, how on earth do you balance a busy working day with dogs? Obviously, you manage to look so great. Like, I'm looking at you now, you know, I need I needed better lighting in here because I'm thinking. <laughs> and you also provide such beautiful content online. So tell me your secret. Yeah. So for me, I think when you look at my page, it looks really curated. Like I'm filming constantly while that's kind of true. I kind of just look at my, my week. So I work five days a week. I work a full, like I work five days a week and, um, two days I'm off. I look at my schedule and I see what dogs that I have and that I know that will look good on camera. So I prepare my day for that. And once I know that I have like maybe two or three dogs that are just adorable and that would make good content, I just post my um, my camera up and I just record and I put it in a bank of files of just videos and then I'll just edit them throughout the week. That makes it easy. That's called like batch content creation. So I just make like maybe two or three videos 
every other day or something like that. Maybe like three times a week, I'll, I'll just batch make content. And so then that gives me time to, um, that gives me time to edit them throughout the week. And so I'll have maybe like three videos to post that week, or sometimes I might just have like one or two and it's giving yourself that grace to not have to like pump, like be stressed about pumping out videos all the time. I think you hear on like TikTok or Instagram a lot that you need to be posting every single day in order to grow. But for me, I just take it day by day. I'm not really stressing myself out too much on social media. I just post when I want and I post the content that I want. Yeah, really organic. That's so lovely. And I think that what also helps is that the way that you have decorated your salon, like aesthetically, you always have a beautiful backdrop behind you. Mm-hmm. That's sort yeah. of in tune, isn't it, with your, you know, your thing? Yeah. So when I opened my second location, I was really un- intentional about how I wanted it to look. So our first location, Blue Pooch, it's still like really colorful because I was like the creative director of our, our salon. Um, I'm definitely a creative person and I need to be in a like my creative space that reflects that in order for me to like work in an environment that will make me thrive. So I was like, okay, I love colors. I love pastel. And I come from a Japanese background. I'm half Japanese, half black. So I've always just loved my Japanese culture side, which is that like cutesy, kawaii, like anime. So I've always just leaned into that. And I wanted that to reflect our store. And, you know, my family's up for it too. They're like, whatever, you're the one on camera. So what? (laughs) (laughs) No, it looks so good. I absolutely love it. So tell me about your journey into grooming. Was it like an obvious profession for you? Were you you always going to do this? I come from a family of groomers. Well, a groomer. My My mom is a groomer and she started grooming in her 20s. And then after she had me, she quit. And then we moved to United States from Japan when I was about five. And then she went to high-end retail. So she stopped grooming for a really long time. And um, when I was about 18, she decided to move to California and quit uh, high-end, she quit high-end retail and decided to go back into grooming. So that was like maybe about 20 year gap for her of not grooming. And so she went back to Japan, uh, got trained again, and then decided grooming out here in California. And when I was about 20 years old, I was still in college. I didn't know like what I wanted to do. I was in college for journal journalism um, because I thought I was good at writing, but I'm also not good with deadlines. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, yeah, I can't be a journalist. This is not going to work for me. My procrastination and the way my brain works is just, that's just not going to work. And so my mom was like, you know, you've always wanted to do hair when you were in high school. You used to like use our bathroom as a hair salon and cut people's hair. So she was like, you should try dog grooming. And I was like, oh, Oh, I didn't even know that was like a career choice because I didn't even know my mom was a dog groomer until she moved to California. So I was like, yeah, I'll try it. So I went to PetSmart. Um, do you know what PetSmart is? It's I do. We don't have it here, but I, I've heard of it. Yeah. So it's a corporate company here in America. They sell like all dog products and they have a grooming salon. And so I went in, I was a bather and they quickly made me become a groomer really fast. I became a groomer in like two months. I was a bather for like two months. Yeah. So they really needed groomers. And I immediately went into training. Uh, I did 
I did like, you have to, you have like a two year contract. So I did my two years. And after my two years, um, my mom decided she wanted to open up her grooming salon in California. So I moved out to California and um, really, I think that's where a lot of my creativity started. Once I had the freedom Mm. to be uh, creative and like, just do whatever I want rather than that corporate setting, you know, when it's corporate, you don't, you don't really have that basic freedom to kind of, you know, groom any way that you want. No. So do you work with your mum still now? Yeah. It's a, oh. it's a woman owned three woman trio family business. So my mom, she's the owner. She also grooms. And then my sister, she's basically like operations manager district. She just, she handles all the business side of things. And I take on the role, same with my mom. Like I'm, I'm the groomer, the creative groomer in, 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 in our company. And I also teach all of our new groomers. Wow. That's incredible. Tell me what's your mom's grooming like? It's, it's, it's very similar to mine. So the, so a lot of, so our styles are very similar. I would say because she's, uh, you know, she's, she's older now. So you'll see that like, she won't put as much time and energy into making it look perfect where me, I'm someone, I'm just like, everything has to be perfect. (laughs) Yeah, I totally get that. I need somebody to tell me to put the scissors down, like enough, put the scissors down. Yeah, yeah, that's the same. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll like focus on l- legs for maybe 10 to 15 minutes more than I should. Yeah, yeah. But I suppose, especially like going back to the content thing, if you know that you're posting this dog, I always, if I think, oh, this dog's actually looking quite nice, it's look, its coat's looking good, I might actually take a little video or a picture with this. I will, if I've got the time, I'll spend obviously that extra time because it's important yeah it's funny because I don't tend to post the everyday salon grooms you know the four f's all over sort of grooms as much you know it's always the ones that we spend that extra time with yeah you know because it's it's interesting people are always people uh think that like all of all the dogs that I post are these like cute adorable poodles like that's the kind of dogs that I'm doing every single day Mm. when you know really those cute little poodles, they maybe come in once or twice a week. You know, I always tell my clients when they bring in maybe like a crusty poodle that isn't probably the most beautiful. They're like, I want it to look like this dog that you posted. And I had to give them a reality check. I'm like, listen, you know, you have black hair, right? You don't go to your hair song, go, I want to look exactly like Kim Kardashian. And you're like, well, you're not her. So when you leave the salon, I can't, technically magically turn you into her but we'll do something similar how about (laughs) (laughs) yeah I've had it before where people bring in like um they'll have like an older dog and they'll bring in like a really cute picture of a puppy (laughs) and you're like you do realize this dog's about 12 weeks old that you're bringing a picture of that's why it looks really young and cute because it's Mm -hmm. like 12 weeks old like it's I cannot look make your 12 year old dog look like a 12 week old dog like Uh, the ones I get really surprised with are like like poodles that you know, they, it looks like they haven't had a haircut in forever. I was like, ooh, that one looks rough. And then when you give it a bath and then you give it a haircut and you'd like, you're like, oh my God, I did that. 
That looks really good. I didn't expect you to actually look really adorable. And then they, the owners get their dog. They're like, oh, is that my dog? I'm yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I'll pat myself on the back. I'm surprised too. There's no other job, I think, where you get that immediate gratification like you do in our job, right? Yeah, totally. And it's like, you know, every groom that you do is so different. Too. Even if it's like the same, like, client that you've been grooming for for years right like one day I might do a haircut I'm like wow this haircut is popping it is so good the next time they come I'm like they didn't look like that last time I was like (laughs) (laughs) I was like I don't know what happened there but you know let's judge it up a bit and like this will this will do for this time it changed you know it changes (laughs) We all have our good days and our not so good days. It's that's yeah. normal. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Sometimes you're off, sometimes you're on. <laughs> Definitely. Now, what's your favorite element of your work? And and like maybe what's your least favorite as well? Yeah. So my favorite element, I well, I think the obvious is the creativity of grooming. I've really gotten to a point where when customers come in, they really allow me to do whatever I want to them. I don't get too many instructions on, okay, so I need my dog's muzzle to be short, but not too short. And then I need the ears to be super long. And then I need the body to be like that in between of, you know, I don't, I don't deal with that anymore. So the customers are obviously coming into me because they've seen my social media pages and they know that they like my style. So I just say, okay, So I'm going to do whatever I want to make them turn them into the cutest teddy bear. Is that okay? And they're like, absolutely. Just just do whatever you want. So I really love that I've gotten to that part of my job. Um, Another small little thing, not small, it's a huge thing, probably um, where I've gotten to into my career now too is working with the brands that I'm working with, like I have an ambassadorship with Wall, which is just amazing because... um, I get to use wall products that I've I've used like my entire life. You know, when you're a kid and like you have like clippers, those were those were like the first things that you saw. And I was like, that's so cool that you know I get to work with a company that I grew up knowing the name, and um, I get to show that on my social media pages of all of the grooming products that I use. And there's so many pet parents and. Um, groomers that are so interested in the products that I use so I get to I get to always like recommend like the products that I really love I think is really cool and my least favorite thing I would say is like the business side of grooming I I am definitely way more of a creative person than the business business minded person so luckily I have a team which is like my family that really we cater to each other's strengths and weaknesses so my sister is amazing at the business side and so she really um, helps me a lot with that and so I don't have to take on a lot of um, that burden that I know that I wouldn't be good at so definitely the business side of things (laughs) But you guys have got it all sorted out though. I suppose that you're playing to each other's strengths and weaknesses. So great team. Yeah, absolutely. And it just, I think it obviously, I'm really um, grateful that I get to work with my family. You know, they're my family. I trust them. I know they're not going to, you know, cheat me or anything. Like we all know, like 
what like what we're good at and what we're not and so we really just help each other out there and obviously for people that don't work with their families I think it's really important for them to have a team that um just just pick the right people right for for the job rather than sometimes that might picking the person with like the most amazing experience like they've worked in corporate for the past 20 years just because they've worked in corporate for 20 years doesn't mean they're going to be the best manager you know sometimes they can be really shitty people (laughs) yeah (laughs) I know well yeah I mean I've uh I've worked in a few grooming teams before where yeah I've been burnt so I am I'm well aware of yeah the ups and downs that come with running a busy business you know yeah 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 Definitely. Now, talking about the clients that come to you, obviously they come to you because they trust you and it's so nice that you almost have like a bit of free reign on their dogs. Mm-hmm. But what do you say to those clients? Because I've had it before that, you know, they come with the scroll and they're like, down rolls the scroll, right? Leave the eyelashes and I want one centimeter off the ears. And <laughs> I, you know, with the pictures and then the detailed yeah. instructions, like, and you're looking at the dog and you're thinking, that's not really going to work for the dog. Do you, do you yeah. just say, how do you deal with that? So I let them do their spiel because I, it's, it's kind of fun hearing them think this is what's going to make their dog look cute. And they're talking to a professional about how they think their dog should look. And oh, I yeah, maybe there, there might be a diagram as well. Which <laughs> yes, yes. You know, I, I let them go on and then once I'm done, I have this amazing book of like inspiration magazines, like they're the Japanese Asian fusion magazines. So I have them close by. And what I'll do is I, I'll go over to them and I'll show them I'm like, hey, like, what do you think of this group or this group? And they're like, oh, my God, that is so cute. I was like, well, this is what I was thinking. And they go, oh, OK, we'll do that then. That's and such that a good, really yeah, that is that's such good advice. Definitely. Yeah. Because people need like a like, you know, come some kind of visual example in order to understand what their dog is going to look like. At least that's how my brain works, right? Everything that I do is like, kind of like visual porn. Can, can I say that? <laughs> you can say that. Yeah, like that's that's kind of what I want to show people that aren't like groomers, um, that are more pet parents. They don't know what dog grooming is. They don't know what to expect. So give them a platter of visual dog grooming porn and they're like, ooh, I want that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> such a great idea. I love it. So everybody needs to get themselves a little ring binder and uh, and some beautiful Asian magazines and start cutting out the pictures, laminating it and, you know, yeah. and have a little dog menu. Yeah, make it like an inspo book. You know, you might not have, you might, you don't have to like go on eBay to buy those expensive Japanese books because if you go on eBay they're quite pricey but just scroll scroll through Pinterest or like especially now on Instagram just screenshot all of your favorite grooms and put them in put them in a file print them out go to your uh you know we have like CBS and you can print pictures print them out put them in a book there are companies now you can send them your PDF files and they'll create you like a book for very cheap you know, so that way you can show, you can show clients like, Hey, these are my grooms. These are other people's grooms. Like, which one do you like? And have them point it out. And, you know, I think that's a really good way to start having customers trust your opinions and your judgments. Yeah. That's yeah. Really great advice. I think that's really good idea. Now for you, what do you find the most difficult breed to groom and why? 
Mm. The most difficult breed. I would say like, you know, those doodles with the really straight or wavy coats. I really don't like those coats at all. It's, it's one of those things where you just keep um, combing over and over again to get those strands of hair that just, that won't lay down properly. It, it's just, it's, it's really difficult. And especially around the face, those dogs, when you cut around the eyes, it always looks droopy no matter what you do. And so you just have to get to the point of like, this is the best that we can do for this dog. You know, I because rather than saying like, of course, like there are more like breed standard grooms that are difficult, um, maybe because you don't um, groom them as often. I think that's the obvious. But for me, I get these I get doodles in my salon every day. And I think a lot of people now are starting to get doodles. And there's so many doodles with different types of coats. But and owners don't understand that their doodle is a different kind of doodle They you might have a straight coated doodle. And then they bring in the curly coated uh, doodle picture from Instagram. They're like, I want it to look like this with this kind of muzzle. And you're like, impossible. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, it's got like a really flat beard. Oh, <laughs> the wet beard. Oh, nightmare. I know which ones you mean. I, I have a couple and, um, and they sometimes have a pinched bit here, yeah. like just below the eyes where, where the hair suddenly changes and it's really yeah. straight. And yeah. and it's just really straight down the muzzle. And also the hair on the back, you know, like you were saying, it was flat. No matter how you clip it, it just wants to just stay so close to the body. And so yeah. it's really hard to get like even lengths when you're trimming them, isn't it? Yeah. And it, I, do, you, do you ever get the ones, we're going back to the straight coated doodles. Those are the ones for some reason, I feel like the top of their head on their skull is a lot flatter than most of the other doodles. And so when you cut the top of their head, like it kind of looks like they have a skullet situation happening. Do you know what a skullet is? I don't know what a skullet is. Okay, a skullet is basically like a a, a man that's balding, but then Uh. just keeps the long layers. Like imagine like if like a rock star had really long hair, but he decided, but he's balding, but he wants to keep his long hair. And it's just like bald up top with a long you know, with, with just long hair on the sides. And so that's the doodle, like the flat is, the top is so flat, but then you have the ears that are straight down. I'm like, oh God, this is a skullet situation happening. (laughs) I think as well, though, what we're trying to do to make them look cute now. So 10 years ago, when we first started seeing doodles, cockapoos, things like that, we used to have them more beardy, longer, shorter on the tops of the head. So it's more like a mm. spaniel and then quite beardy. But then we realized, looking at inspiration from overseas, that actually what's cuter is really short under the chin and longer on the top of the head. But these yeah. are the dogs where you just can't achieve that look. Yeah, you just give them more of like a Rod Stewart haircut where it's just like kind of crazy up here and then the little shorter trim. Yeah. Shorter chin is a lot cuter. So I always tell like those, uh, the straight hair dude, I was like, you know, maybe like a little 60s rock and roll haircut could be cute for your dog. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but like how you brand it, you know, in yeah. their minds, they're like, yes. 60s, fun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What are your top tips for groomers who are like wanting to create an Instagram or TikTok content from their home salon? Yeah, so 
I would say first figure out like what kind of content you're wanting to create. Okay. So I think there's different types of people on social media platforms. You obviously have one, the person that wants to be an influencer, right? And so we'll start there. So if you're wanting to be an influencer, like definitely just get yourself a ring light. That's going to be so important. Get yourself a good camera stand. Um, lighting is probably going to be your best friend when it comes to creating content, because that's what makes your videos super clear and, um, and invest in a high quality camera, like an iPhone. Your The iPhones are just, just as great as like a DSLR camera, you know, get the, uh, the most recent iPhone and just film away and then don't worry about thinking about someone's not going to like your post just post it anyway because essentially what you're doing is someone is going to like it right I think we all get caught up in the likes and the comments but if you really change your point of view and go wow this video got 200 views this video got 4,000 views if you really think about it as like say that you're in an auditorium and there was 200 people in that room how amazing would that be right? Or if you're in an auditorium, 4,000 people, like that's super cool. You're talking to that many people. Like we strive for like the hundred K views and blah, 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 because on paper that looks really nice, but it's just giving yourself that grace and knowing that those 200 views are just as awesome as the hundred thousand views. And for someone that necessarily doesn't want to be the influencer and they kind of just want to post pictures of just inspiration for themselves and for their family and friends to see, you know, there's those people too. They don't want the spotlight of social media. If you do want to uh, post pictures and you want to get better at um, Instagram, I would say my best advice, same thing, get good lighting, get a good camera, and then just learn your angles on a dog like just because you have all those things you kind of have to have an eye on the angles that you take a dog because if you take a picture from same with us like underneath the chin or something right like it's a little low the haircut's not going to look good so it's like trying these different angles and seeing what will look good on camera you'll always get those dogs that with your your actual eyeballs you think they look so cute and they, you just really struggle to, you know, when you take a picture and look at it on your phone, you just think, why doesn't it look as cute on the picture as it does in real life? Yeah. So I kind of tweak my grooming sometimes after I've taken a photo. I think taking a photo of your grooms is a great way to do some more finishing work on a dog. So say that like this dog is actually really cute and I take a photo of it, and I'm like, wait, that doesn't look like what it looks like in real life. And I see that the eyes are a bit more heavier. So then I'll just go back and scissor the eyes up a little more. And then once I do that and go take the camera back, I'm like, oh, that's a lot better. <laughs> it's a great idea for um, even when I'm showing, because sometimes when you're trimming a dog, you're right on top of it. It's really hard to see your work. So it's really yeah. nice just to stand back, take a picture or, you know, take a picture when the dog's, uh, take a video when the dog's moving around and then you can really assess your work, can't you? Yeah, absolutely. I also think you were going back to what you were saying about the content creation. Mm -hmm. I think by trying all these different ideas, these different videos, you can actually start to see what resonates with people as well. So you were saying about the, you know, some will get 200 views or likes and some will get 4,000. You can start to see over time from your audience what content they actually like and you can create more of that. 
Yeah. And I think that's a really fun part of social media. Like I really don't restrict myself to any, to anything. So I really like to try various different things out, various trends. And I like to see like maybe what the top creators are and not necessarily in the grooming field in every niche, like see what they're doing. And I'll kind of niche it to what I do and see what the audience likes. And then if this one video goes viral or something, then I'm like, hmm, let me try that video one more time and see how that performs. And then it'll perform again. I'm like, okay, got it. So the audience really likes this. So it's just all, it's all, it's all trial and error and just like, just having fun with it. I feel like so many people, they're like, oh, like social media is like so hard and da, da, da. But I think it's, you're just overthinking it, you know, just, just have fun. Like that's what it's supposed to be. Like, yes, it does become a little tedious once, you know, maybe brands start getting involved because you're kind of thinking of like, oh, like how can I get money? But really at the end of the day, it's just, it, this. you're playing, this is play. <laughs> Definitely, definitely. Now, education obviously is something that you're super passionate about. Um, why do you think education is so important? And for me with the groomers, I like to educate them on, you know, what I know. Like, I know that the Asian fusion world, it's still, at least in America, there's still only a small group of people that do them. Um, so I like to teach people what I know that I've learned from my my Japanese mentors that necessarily they're not able to teach out here because of a language barrier, you know, but I speak Japanese. So it's root. So I like to go back to Japan and learn from these people and bring back what I learned from them and, you know, cater to my audience here. So I think that's like one of the reasons why education is so cool. I get to bring information and, and then tell it to my audience and then they get to be better and I'm not the type of groomer that I'm like, oh, I need to hoard all this information to myself because like, what's the fun in that? Like, how cool is it to see, you know, someone that's been grooming maybe like three years and they take a course with me or take a course with Jess Rono or Gabriel Fetosa and suddenly they're like a bomb ass groomer. I'm like, hell yeah, you did that in three years. It took me eight years to learn that. <laughs> <laughs> it's a really, it's a really great mindset. I think that, I think that if anything, the beauty that we have with social media is the ability that we have to share and educate. I think it's it's a really good thing. Yeah. And when you're in, you know, what goes hand in hand with education as well, you're also now inspiring a new age of groomers. You're inspiring like new pet parents, right? Education isn't just like some boring honky dory, like, oh, this person is just talk, 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 but you're inspiring them. Like I want to make grooming sexy. You know, I, I grew up in that time of, uh, of, of that era of grooming where someone went, so what do you do for a living? I'm like, oh, I'm a groomer. And you kind of got that, oh, really like like why or <laughs> you know things things didn't quite work out for you did they you know that sort of attitude yeah it's that it's that opinion of like I'm less than because I didn't go to university and get a degree when you're educating and putting our content or whatever on YouTube TikTok you're inspiring a new generation of groomers or inspiring new pet parents to to know better to be better so I think I think that's cool and plus you're entertaining them as well like that's what I like to do in my videos like every year I kind of like 
think of like, okay, what is my mission or goal for this year when it comes to my content? And this year and probably next year, it might be the same thing is to just educate, inspire and entertain. And like, once I know I'm doing that in my content, like all's gravy. If you're having a rough day, how do you cheer yourself up and like snap out of it? Yeah, so like obviously we all have bad days. Um, I do too. I know I'm really smiley and positive all the time on social media, but I have bad days too, you know, things go on in life. But uh, one thing that I really like to do for myself is like, maybe like I, I have I, like the little AirPods, I'll just put one in my ear and I'll blast some music. And so that really helps me get out of like any funk or I'll put a podcast on, something that's gonna like really calm me. I'm gonna put myself sometimes what calls me is like true crime. Yeah, well, you know, whatever plays you vote, Arissa. I don't know why it does. Maybe it's just like, wow, this person's having a real bad day, way worse than mine. <laughs> so it kills me out. Sabby McJoe's just come after it. I mean, she's having a really bad time, you know. Sabby McJoe. <laughs> I love it. Um, yeah, so I would say that that works for me, you know, and then you you always hear it like it's, oh, you work with dogs, uh, you must play with them all day. I feel like that only works when I'm having a bad day. I'll like, if I'll just like kind of like hug on dogs if it's just like if I'm kind of sad or if I really just need to like hug on them. I think that's, it's, it's a really nice perk of our job that we get, we do get to like love on them and cuddle them. A little bit of animal therapy. Yeah, yeah. So that's a wrap. Thank you so much for joining us. Arissa can be found on Instagram at Arissa the Groomer. Definitely check out her page. Thank you to everybody for listening. And please don't forget to rate and subscribe to Pod on the Dog. And if you'd write a review too, that would be amazing as it helps other people find this podcast. This podcast has been sponsored by Butternut Box, a fresh take on dog food. So for that 50% off your first two boxes, make sure you visit butternutbox.com forward slash Verity Hardcastle. And that's a bye from me and Arissa. Bye. Bye.